and welcome to the Psych in Business podcast, where we highlight the integration of psychology and psychological principles into the world of business and organizations. I'm your host, Dr. Ernest Wade. It was a real pleasure for me to speak with Dr. Carol Wazlishan the other day. We had her on the show and she talked at length about her great experiences working with C-level executives in large organizations. She's a pioneer in the work that she's done in terms of developing the concept of trusted advisor, being a trusted advisor to executives. And she also talked about the work that she's done in terms of helping to build emotional intelligence. I think this work is extremely important when it comes to executive leaders. And so I want to talk a little bit more about emotional intelligence and how that applies to executive leaders who have to lead organizations and have to lead people as well. So let's start by defining emotional intelligence. So I think of emotional intelligence as a combination of two things. It is your emotional skills and your social skills and how you apply those in different settings. So emotional skills is really the ability to recognize, understand, and manage your emotions, which can be challenging for a lot of us, especially when it comes to managing. The other one is social skills. And what we're talking about here is the ability to interact appropriately in social environments. And this really is how you engage with other people. This speaks a lot to your interpersonal skills in uh, small group settings, individual settings, and in large group settings. How do you interact with people? So the combination of these two things, your emotional skills and your social skills, really makes up your emotional intelligence. What I think is important to recognize here is that not everybody is naturally gifted when it comes to emotional intelligence. There are some people who are better uh, at engaging in social environments, some people who are better at managing their own emotions and recognizing those. Um, but I think what's also important is that these skills can be learned. So from childhood, we learn what is appropriate in what setting. You may learn that yelling and screaming at home is appropriate, but it is not appropriate for you to yell and scream when you're on public. You have to use your inside voice, for example. But for, for adults, as we get older, we have to engage with people in social settings. And uh, that's a skill that we, we learn over time. We also learn how to manage our emotions. And again, that's a skill that we, we learn over time, but to varying degrees. So... Emotional intelligence, as I said, is not something that everybody has equally. There is some people who, who are really good at managing their emotions and some people that uh, struggle with it. But I think the key here is that it can be learned, right? As I mentioned, it's a behavior that can be learned. Myself, for example, I think when I first started and really got into the business world, I had pretty good emotional skills. I was pretty good at being able to um, recognize, understand, and and do a, did a pretty good job managing my emotions. What I struggled with was my social skills, specifically in large groups. I was fairly comfortable engaging on one-on-one -on -one discussions with people where I could learn about them and you know have those deeper conversations. But I began to struggle as the groups got bigger. The bigger the group, the less comfortable I felt and the more awkward I was in large group settings. And ironically, I didn't really learn to manage and improve the skill until I went to graduate school for psychology. 
In my graduate program, I learned a lot about human behavior and emotions and how those are all interwined and how your emotional state can impact your behavior, which can impact your interactions with others, and how your environment can also impact your emotional state, can impact the way you behave, communicate, make decisions, and interact with other people. So when I learned that, I was better able to leverage my skills in terms of my emotional awareness and leverage that into social skills, because then I could better understand how other people might be affected by their emotions or their environment and could better understand how to engage in large groups. But this is not to say that you need to have specific training in human behavior or in emotion in order to have a better awareness of your emotional intelligence. I think most anybody can improve their emotional intelligence. This reminds me of a coaching client that I had uh, who came to me because they were having trouble with interpersonal relationships. Now, this individual is in the pharmaceutical uh, industry and was clinically excellent, was top of their their game in terms of uh, the clinical work that they're doing in the pharmaceutical industry, but they were also responsible for a team of people. And there were some complaints about their interaction with the team. Specifically, their team felt that they were cold, uh, th that they were aloof, and that they really didn't care about them as individuals. And so when this person was referred to me, I did what I always do, which is start with an assessment. And so we did an assessment to help me understand where this person's emotional intelligence was. There's a number of very good emotional intelligence assessments out there. And as long as it's validated, I think you can, you can choose which one you want to use because that gives you initial information to see how someone is doing in terms of the different scales and emotional intelligence, how they are in terms of their self-assessment, how they are in terms of uh, their interpersonal skills, how they are in terms of their stress management, things like that. In this specific case, what I did was also engage in a 360 assessment. Now, a 360 gives you feedback from your peers, from your direct subordinates, so people who work for you, and also from your supervisors, so people who have direct authority over you. And this gives you a really good impression of how how you are being perceived by others. It really gives you a good sense of your reputation out in the field. And so for this specific case, what I did was actually engage in a living 360, which allowed me to actually have discussions with these individuals, both the supervisor, the, the peers, and the employees that work for this individual. And it allowed me to get really deep into asking questions so that I get a better sense of how this person was coming across. I also shadowed this individual for a day and was able to see how they were interacting or not with their uh, employees, their coworkers, and their supervisors. And then lastly, I also had discussions with this individual to try to get a sense of what their motivation was, what some of their concerns were, what their priority was. And after this, we were able to clearly identify with this individual that they were having some issues related to interpersonal skills. And it turned out that as as smart as this person was and as qualified as they were in terms of their clinical abilities, they really preferred to be left alone. They really preferred to work in isolation and to stay in their office with the door shut and to internalize. They really did not want to even engage in their with their employees and to build relationships or any of those things. And so in working with this individual and giving them the feedback from the 360 and the assessments, 
they were able to eventually understand the damage that was being caused by withdrawing, by going to their comfort place. Now, we all have a tendency to go to our comfort place uh, when things become uncomfortable. But as leaders, we don't always have that option. You know, we, we have to step out and sometimes be seen. And so we worked with this individual to enhance their interpersonal skills by starting small. We worked with this individual to engage in one-on-one -on -one discussions, inviting people into their office one at a time and having those discussions that were less threatening than talking to a whole group of people and talking to the whole team. And by building those individual relationships one at a time, it made it easier for him when he had to speak with the team, when he had to speak with larger groups. And so this is an example of how an individual uh, really enhanced their emotional intelligence. Firstly, understanding how their own emotions uh, and their own behaviors were impacting their relationship with other people, and then working on their social skills, their ability to have discussions with individuals and feel more comfortable. Now, I'll tell you that even with this individual, as much work as we did and as much progress as we did, it is still tasking for this individual to engage in these discussions, those individual discussions and the large group discussions. Now, over time, it became a little bit easier, especially with the individual discussions, but it still takes a lot out of this person to have those large group discussions. So it's not to say that they can't do it. It just means that it requires a lot of effort on their part. And I think this is one of the key things about emotional intelligence. Sometimes we take the easy way out and say, it's just not a strength of mine. I don't like talking to people. I don't like engaging in large groups. It's just not something that I, that I feel comfortable in, and so I'm not going to do it. And very often the truth is that you can do it. It's just going to take you a lot of effort. And as human nature, if things take a lot of effort, we tend to uh, shy away from them. But emotional intelligence is one of those things that as a leader, you need to be able to have. You need to be able to understand your emotions and how they impact the way you communicate, the way you make decisions, the way you interact with other people, because all of these things impact your reputation. All of these things impact how your employees see you. They impact how your clients see you. And so as a leader, you really need to be able to um, overcome some of these challenges. And I think coaching is a great way of doing that. A coach can help you understand some of the challenges that you have, and they can help you also understand some of the uh, strengths that you have. And so you can either work to uh, improve your, your weak areas, improve those challenges to make sure that they are uh, strengthened and that you can actually leverage them to your benefit, or at the very least, mitigate those challenge areas so that they don't become problematic. So I think this is one of the things that coaches can really do well, especially coaches that are versed in psychology or psychological skills. I think it's a natural thing that uh, psychologists learn, human behavior, and learn how emotions and all of these things impact us. Well, I hope this has been helpful. Thank you for listening, and I hope you will join us again soon.